Hello and welcome to Camera Eats First. My name is Devin. And I'm Catherine. And together we are two market girls. We run a vegan YouTube channel and a blog, and this is our podcast. We talk about things like veganism, how to make our recipes, how to run our blog. We do some vegan news. And once in a while, we talk about some of our favorite food content. So this episode is actually a continuation of the previous episode because we're talking about the show Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Yeah, now the previous episode wasn't last week. It was a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it was just a previous episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where we covered salt and fat. So now we got to talk about acid and heat. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who hasn't listened to the other episodes, we would recommend you go back and listen to that episode. And if you haven't seen the show, well, we're going to spoil everything. Are there yeah. still spoilers in food shows? I don't know. I Like, I don't know. I don't. Like, imagine we're like, oh my god, guess what? This type of orange. <laughs> Yo, it's true, though. Some interesting orange content coming up. Yes. <laughs> so, the show is hosted by Samin Nosrat, who is a professional chef and writer and cookbook author. She has a cookbook of the same name, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, and it's all about mastering these elements of cooking so that you can cook as best you can. Yeah, so you can master your home cooking exactly um so i think we'll just should we just dive into some acid yeah <laughs> Yo, that's a fun <laughs> sentence <laughs> isn't it <laughs> okay so she starts off introducing acid you know it's like it's a pucker it's a sour it's tart it can make it can like actually make your mouth water because of how it like tantalizes your yeah. taste buds i think I, I will say i appreciated the shout out to cranberries uh, of course of course actually cranberries get a really good shout out towards the end of the episode yes. i really yeah i did really appreciate that yeah but it also like and just like off of that it helps balance flavors and foods yeah. it like it tames fat and it tames salt and it like helps keep all the other really intense flavors in check basically yeah, yeah. And for Samin, she talked about how like lime and pomegranate and yogurt were the acids that really shaped her palate growing up. Yeah. But for this episode, she actually goes to Mexico, mm-hmm. specifically the Yucatan, mm-hmm. to kind of like explore the world of acid. Um, because I guess like in the, again, I didn't, like I knew, obviously, I knew that acid was a big part of most cuisines, I would say. Um, but, like, I didn't realize how big of a part it was to, like, Mexican cuisine. Same, same. And even, like, the just the different forms of acid that they prefer to use as opposed to, like, other cuisines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, there was a lot to learn from this that I, I feel like this was the episode where I came in with probably the least amount of prior knowledge. knowledge. Yeah. Because yeah. citrus and acid and, like, all of those things kind of feel... I don't know. I, I, I think say pe- abstract. Yeah, and I think people like un- like it's just like you just don't understand that it has such a key function to flavors in food. Like most people, I would assume, like I would say us included for the most part, uh, might not understand that even just a squeeze of lime can completely change your dish in the end, right? And things like that. So I think I feel like for most people, this is probably. Like a pretty, I at least I'm gonna say most like Canadian, Amer or U.S. people. This is probably a pretty eye-opening episode to like how food and flavors work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And I gotta say, uh, even though it is May right now, it's still cold. And watching this <laughs> whole episode, I was just like, wow, it looks so nice and warm and sunny and everything is so bright. I want to be there. Yeah. Um, but something that I think she said at the beginning of the episode that really stuck out that I kind of goes along with what we were just saying is that she said most cook without knowing they're using acid. Like most people don't really know like when you think acid you think lemons you think vinegar you think things like that but you don't realize the scale of what can be acidic and like we'll go into that later because she talks about it later in the episode too some of the things literally i was like wait what Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's an acidic ingredient yeah yeah no for sure you forget the way like how these ingredients actually react and what they bring to your food right Mm -hmm. depending on what they are and how you use them yeah um, but the episode kind of opens, like, once we establish that we're in the Yucatan, she goes to a whole citrus market. Which, like, every time she goes anywhere outside of the U.S. or Canada, I just, like, look at where she goes and I'm like, wow, we really do not have a lot of variety here. <laughs> oh, my goodness, right? And I'm also like, wow, I have no idea what the rest of the world is like. Right? And I have not traveled at all. Like, I feel like... Like, obviously, you know there's different kinds of citrus fruit out there, but you grow up with just an orange is an orange. (laughs) Not there's, like, a million different kinds of oranges you could possibly get. (laughs) Right? I'm so curious to go to, I mean, so many of the markets that she goes to, but this one especially, just because I feel like we have such a narrow um, experience within citrus that it would just be so mind-blowing to go and try all these different varieties of, like, an orange or a lime or a lemon. Yeah. And I didn't even, and the reason she's also in the Yucatan is because it's known as the citrus belt of Mexico. So it's like prime for all these flavors that she wants to explore. Yeah. Um, So one of the first things she tries when she's in the market is a piece of passion fruit and they put Mm -hmm. the salt and the chili on it. And I just like the way that she describes the different flavors. Like it's very sour at first, right? But then you get hit with like the salt and the chili mm-hmm. and just how those flavors layer on top of each other. I love that. I want to experience that. <laughs> I mean, you can. I think we can get passion fruit here. <laughs> Let's do it. And then she also tries, I think this is during this one because she goes to a market a couple times this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, there's like sweet oranges or something like that? There was sweet lemons and sour oranges. Right, Everything yes. Everything is like opposite. I love it. Yeah. Like those types of things. And you can tell even when she tastes them are like such a complete like mind melt moment for like people who aren't used to it. Like I just like I want to be able to experience that and be like bite into a lemon expecting it to be like super sour. And then you get this sweet fruit. <laughs> right. Because I also like, you know, I feel like everyone has a different sour or tart tolerance and i don't like like really intense sour but i want to kind of experience the lemon flavor without the sour and it would probably even feel like a completely different flavor right i would assume so oh my goodness it's so strange (laughs) but so interesting yeah even the idea of like these sour oranges which become a recurring ingredient throughout the whole episode because they are kind of like a an important staple yeah. item to a lot of the recipes that she makes mm-hmm. and she's like it's like the floral of an orange which i'm trying to like understand what what, what that means <laughs> yeah you know like i think i know but i don't know how to articulate it yeah 
and then this the tart of a lemon which like is such a cool mind meld yeah (laughs) but i literally can't i can't picture it i feel like the only way we could get close to it here without actually having the fruit is to literally like squeeze some lemon on an orange (laughs) oh my god that's hilarious yes (laughs) (laughs) or or like put some sugar on a on a lemon yeah right (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. We just so desperately want to experience other things, but we're still stuck at home. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Pretend we like set up our house as like a market and just like this is the lemon with sugar on it. This is oh my the gosh. orange with lemon on it. <laughs> it's so sad, but I also think it'd be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> but this kind of like this whole scene in the market, like the end thing you kind of learn and take away for the rest of the episode is that in their cuisine they don't use vinegar they use citrus primarily as Mm -hmm. the acid yeah which like i feel like as canadians i feel like like obviously we've used citrus fruit like the bare minimum of citrus fruit that we get here um but i feel like for the most part you see there's always vinegar in people's houses like vinegar is the the basically acid of choice so it's so nice to see like it's just it's so interesting to see a completely different like I didn't see vinegar used once in this episode (laughs) no no and even you know the moments throughout the cooking process when they would add the citrus in are different than what I would have thought of and now I want to experiment with yeah it almost makes me want to like try like classic things that we'd put vinegar on it makes me want to try it with other forms of acid like I just want to try fries with like lemon on them or something Mm. instead of um instead of vinegar (laughs) Mm -hmm. or like uh, a chili lime fry would be so good yes we just want everything we just want citrus on fries (laughs) oh we've gone back to fries oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so then they come back from the market and they start cooking together Mm -hmm. and i learned the word ricotto yeah the ricotto means mixture of spices yeah it's like a seasoning basically yeah. right yeah and even like you hear it later in the episode too where they're like oh well this is where you can get ricottos like that's what they just just call like seasonings basically which is a very cool term to you to learn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they're talking about pickling and cooking in acid and uh we gave this warning in the previous episode but this is not a vegan show so no. they do cook meat and yes. with non-vegan ingredients quite and this a is, lot yeah and this is a pretty meat heavy scene yeah yeah so they are marinating a turkey and cooking a turkey throughout this scene so if you're uncomfortable with it you could skip ahead i don't have timestamps for it this time it's not as graphic as some of the scenes we saw in the other two episodes that we watched but it still if it makes you uncomfortable mm-hmm. n- nothing wrong with skipping ahead but it is interesting to see how they're mixing the marinade because this is also where we see the use of the sour oranges for the first time yeah and you can apply these things to like vegan substitutes and tofu and tempeh and things like that yeah that that's what i was thinking too and even when they're when she's mixing it like some of the ingredients she's putting in there are like peppermint and peppercorn and cinnamon and garlic and like all of those things together i'm so curious because i don't know that i've had that yeah um another thing that i learned um in this scene where they're like cooking these like turkey taco type things they're making um is that so they add vegetables to this stock they basically like 
spoil the turkey in a way but they brown the vegetables first so like the onions and the peppers and something Samin says that like I never would have thought was browning creates acidity yeah and it's something you continue to see throughout the episode is like this browning of the vegetables before doing something else with them yeah and that has just been like oh my god i'm gonna take that little nugget of knowledge (laughs) and i want to use that yeah that it's just it's so interesting the way like i've always like i've always enjoyed browning food i think it's delicious but i guess i've never really understood like i just think it's delicious but i never really understood the purpose behind browning food and like when she talks about how it creates acidity creates a whole new flavor that wasn't there before and i'm like whoa it's like there actually is like this like real purpose to doing these certain things (laughs) yeah and i think it it might actually be later in the episode when they actually explain kind of like the science of yeah browning and how it it actually like changes the flavor and i don't know that before this i ever would have thought that's producing an acidity you know yeah like you said never would have thought that yeah it just changes the flavor and i i don't know what i would have called it (laughs) But yeah. it wouldn't have been acidity. <laughs> yeah, so like I feel like even just in like the first like five minutes of this episode, there was so much that just like blew our minds. <laughs> Seriously, like just writing out notes intensely as I go. Yeah. And then even like I think probably one of the more common, at least for us, uses of acid is like pickling something like an onion right yeah or just like soaking them for a few minutes to take the bite out of them exactly exactly she talks about how it will take the fire out without diminishing the brightness of the dish and i feel like that's such a perfect way to describe it because especially with an onion it is like such an intense Mm -hmm. flavor or like not even the flavor but it's just the experience is really intense yeah so you want the flavor without that intensity sometimes Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's it literally goes back to exactly what she said at the beginning is that acidity helps balance everything right so it takes the intensity out of certain ingredients and certain components of food and i feel like it's no more evident than in soaking onions in acid (laughs) yeah yeah it, it was such a good example to include to really illustrate that Mm-hmm. And then, like, that scene, they, you know, put all the ingredients together. And I just like how you see all these flavors being layered. Yeah. Just, oh, and, so like, good. one of the things that stuck out with that one, too, is that, like, you look at the plate. And to me, that plate doesn't, like, in the traditional sense, scream, like, oh, my God, this looks incredible. Because there isn't a lot of color. Mm-hmm. There isn't a lot of this. But then when you see the process, you can, un- you can like, it doesn't matter what the end plate result is you're like oh i know this tastes good (laughs) yeah because you've seen all of the layers of flavor be worked into it so you kind of understand right yeah and i feel like it helps you understand too that if you don't have certain ingredients or if you don't have everything that you think needs to go into a dish it's still fine you can still make a really delicious dish with just a handful of things exactly exactly so then we move on to kind of like another segment or scene of the episode and it talks about how acid is also used as a garnish to add brightness so we talk about one of the most common garnishes in mexico which is salsa which i mean i knew but i didn't know for the longest time growing up is that salsa just means sauce right like that is just like the condiment of choice there and it's just like 
it's a catch-all like it's sauce and it means many different things which like brings me to my first point is canada u.s has such a narrow view of what salsa is (laughs) oh my goodness yeah i feel like we have a very like salsa is tomato based it is like something you dip tortillas in or you put nachos on or whatever and that's it that's what salsa is but it's so many other things (laughs) and like this episode you just like if you go to your kitchen and pull out a jar of salsa, it's going to make you sad compared to the salsa that you see right? for eating. Oh, my goodness. I have salsa FOMO. Right? And, like, so just, like, being, like, the one thing she says is the constant of salsa is that it always has acidity in it. Whether it's vinegar or toma- tomatoes or whatever it happens to be, that's the constant of salsa. That's what makes salsa. Salsa is the acidity of it. So you see like a salsa that's basically just vinegar and onions. Like that's considered a salsa, which like I feel like if that was like if you had made that here and called it a salsa, people would be like, that's not salsa. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in the scene, she's also joined by I think his name is Rodrigo and he's a certified salsa lover. <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking about how you know, all the different salsas and like the meals that he would have this salsa with versus this salsa, you know, throughout the day, you want to have this salsa. Don't have this salsa too close to bed because it might get you too amped up before bed. (laughs) It's just like salsa is like this whole other world that I feel like we never, ever could experience in Canada unless you go to something more authentic, like an authentic Mexican restaurant or something like that. But like just walking down the grocery aisles, like you would never understand what salsa is really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in this scene she's kind of i guess they're in this little like outdoor restaurant area it looks like so you see someone kind of making a salsa and again grilling those veggies first and then turning them into the salsa i'm here for it like yes that alone i'm like make a note of that we're doing that yes um and then so she and rodrigo are sitting there trying the different salsas on some tacos and stuff and my goodness, again, with Samin throughout the entire series, like, she's just a joy to be around no matter where she is. I literally wrote down that I could just watch Samin eat. Right? <laughs> for an hour. Like, I could just watch her just eat and her reactions and that's it. <laughs> yeah. She's just so happy even to just, like, talk to them. And as soon as they bring over the salsa, she just, like, perks up and she's, like, watching. She's like, what do we got? Well, like, there was that moment where... he's bringing it over and he's not quite at the table yet but Samin knows it's coming over and you can tell she's already excited like she wants to turn around and I was like wow I feel so seen here (laughs) (laughs) and just something that I realized like watching the show again is it definitely reignites your love of food and of cooking like if you ever find yourself in kind of a rut with food or with cooking you watch this show and you just see the joy that it brings Samin it's just like oh yeah food can be about that that is what I want let's go back to that I legit like am definitely in this rut of cooking right now and after watching this episode I literally made a list of recipes that I like thought of and like did like I just approached recipes differently after like watching this episode again which I've seen this episode already but like I watched it again and I was like oh my god oh my god, I'm so excited to just think about food. (laughs) Right? That's exactly how I felt too. Like I literally have a list of 60 recipes (laughs) just on my computer. (laughs) 
Um, so she continues to try like the different salsas and stuff in this scene. And I, it's, I mean, some of them she's like, okay, okay. Yeah. And then some of them, as soon as she eats it, she's like, oh my goodness. It's so I shouldn't spicy. have done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was too bold. I shouldn't have done that. That was a mistake. <laughs> but like, I also feel like that is just so, I feel like that just, it's so many people though. Like, yeah. there's so many people that are just excited about food that they just eat and that have some form of regret if they're like, oh, it's too hot. It's too hot. Yeah, because, like, I think that would be me, too. I'd want to experience the flavor, even if it just was, like, too hot to even experience the flavor. You know? Like, yeah. especially know. Especially with something like that where, like, we just, we can't get that experience in Canada. We no. can't. At least not yet. Yeah. The next scene, I really enjoyed with the tortillas yes the tortilla making yeah so basically the next scene goes into kind of what makes a taco a taco and it's the corn tortilla on the bottom that's kind of what makes it a taco and we we like she goes into the making of like how corn tortillas became like what the process is and all this kind of stuff but one of the things that really stood out for me is the community aspect around making tortillas at least where she is there's like a community mill for the masa to like grind down the corn and make the corn flour. Um, there's like this whole like beautiful community that like I feel like I've never seen in Canada. <laughs> yeah, when they walk up to the mill and it's just all these people kind of like hanging around working on their tortillas or waiting for their tortillas and it's just like, I don't know, so open and almost like a casualness to it compared to yeah. what we would see here. Yeah, right? Yeah. And there's just, like, there's this, like, passion for tortillas. Like, I think there's a point where they say they make them by hand because machine-made tortillas take all the moisture. Like, the machines take all the moisture out of it. They press it all when you go to press the tortilla down. And there's, like, it creates a really dry tortilla. Um, So, like, you can see the, like, passion for, like, their food so evident in the sense that, like, there's one lady who makes 250 tortillas a day. Right? I, when they said that, I was like, did I, did I see that? Is that, you, you said 250? Like, I was like, I can't even, like, I feel like my hands would hurt <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But like, they're kind of happy to do that labor because they're just like, no, it's, it's worth it. The machine just doesn't do it right. Which is kind of a theme that we've seen in other episodes too, right? Yeah. It's sometimes you need that human element still in food. You can't. Yeah. It's like the industrialization of certain foods yeah. where like, yes, it's still pre- like, there's a reason for industrial industrialization of some foods and things like that. But like, if you can make it yourself and if you can make it at home, it's going to be better. <laughs> and we see Samin like trying to make the tortillas too and like still kind of like learning and trying to figure it out. And like, oh, mine aren't as good as yours. But she's yeah. still enjoying the process as Samin does. Yes. She doesn't have that like fear of embarrassment that I feel like so many people would. <laughs> no, no. And like the whole time she's just so eager to try it and to learn about it. Yeah. And I even love the way she describes a tortilla as like... It's perfect for a taco because it wraps everything in the warm blanket of its embrace. <laughs> what? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we move on and there's like kind of this interlude where we talk a little bit more about acidity and the pH scale, you know, getting mm-hmm. kind of sciencey, And then yeah. it talks about other kinds of acid. Yes. Like bananas? In kale. Right? And blew my mind honey 
Yes. We learn about a whole different kind of honey. But like in general, just like honey is an acidic ingredient. Just like I just, what? (laughs) I know. And even like I know because chocolate can have a bitterness to it depending on what kind of chocolate you have. Like that should seem so obvious that it would be an acid. But it also, we don't use it that way that often, right? Yeah. Well, we don't think we're using it that way. Yeah right true, so like true. we add it because we think it makes a dish taste better but it's probably because of its acidic qualities that makes it taste better we just don't realize why why it tastes good with certain things right wow we don't even understand anything <laughs> around us <laughs> but yeah no there's so like so many of these things just like blow my mind because i don't like and again maybe it's growing up in canada where like certain things aren't like used as much but like I would never have ever have told you bananas are considered an acidic ingredient. No, me neither. <laughs> so after we, you know, learn about these uh, new new acids that we didn't realize were all around us, <laughs> uh, we learn about this special kind of honey that is pretty much only it's only in the Yucatan because it's such a specialized process. It's a special kind of bee. Everything mm-hmm. about it, right? Yeah, and it like yields a very small small amount yeah yeah what did they say it's like a liter a year something like that where most like traditional bees like traditional honey what we know of honey would produce like 10 times that or something like that yeah yeah and it's such a interesting process the way that they also protect the bees yeah like everything about the hives and the structure around the hives is meant to protect and help the bees. Yeah, you see that like because like they haven't moved to like any kind of new technologically based way of getting the honey in any sense. So like you see that relationship with nature and that like respect with nature, um, what, no matter what your beliefs are on honey and bees and stuff like that. But like I just I found so many of the things so cool like they built a canal like a dugout around where the bees are kept to keep the ants from killing the bees yeah like I was like that's so cool (laughs) and like the even Samin says like as she is like helping with the honey extraction process like the bees are so chill and they're just like yeah we're just hanging out together (laughs) <laughs> they don't mind me being here but yeah. you understand also why they get such a small amount because they literally take this little syringe yeah into like the honeycomb to extract such a small amount of honey at a time yeah it's like what a teaspoon bear yeah <laughs> but i also kind of like wonder like i feel like that is such a different and obviously i'm gonna assume it's not like that everywhere in mexico like working life and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but like it's just such a drastically different thing from like we would never do anything like that in Canada Mm -hmm. ever where it produces that little amount (laughs) right so like it's just it's so nice to see something different it's like just the collaborative between humans and nature and like all this kind of stuff and the appreciation even for the smallest amount of things yeah and then we get to see her kind of like try the honey in a few different varieties like they have it mixed with some different spices and some different like acidity levels of it Mm -hmm. for her to experience and I think all of them are such a different kind of honey than she's ever had but then she tries one that is like really lemony and just so 
so surprised i just cannot yeah. believe like what did i just that was honey i've never experienced any kind of honey like that yeah to me it's it's like salsa all over again you mm-hmm. walk down the aisle and there's one kind of honey in canadian grocery stores maybe not everywhere but at least where i shop there's one kind of honey yeah like i just thought honey was honey <laughs> <laughs> But they did talk about, like, there's this one, the one that produces so little. It's so clear. Yeah. And it's, like, liquidy. And, like, it's so interesting to see that it can be so different. And they talk about how it's the flowers that they go to and the flowers that they, like, pollinate and extract nectar from or whatever the science is. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like, I was like, that's, like, it makes sense. But, like, I never thought of it before. No, me neither. I, I didn't even think of the range of honey, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so as that scene concludes, we kind of get into another one of Samin's little, what do you call it? Like a tidbit or like yeah. a... Like an education corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think this is where it probably adds in, you know, your special little cranberry moment. Yeah. I had a cranberry shout out, which like, and I also think summarizes kind of what we've been saying too a lot, like what our reactions and our takeaways were from this episode is that... American and Canadian cuisine, I would say, do not showcase citrus and acid in general the way it, like, they just don't incorporate it in a lot of their meals. Yeah, yeah, because Samin uses the example of, like, because when she grew up, you know, she ate a lot of Persian food in her Mm -hmm. home. And so that would include, like, a lot of yogurt on things because that was, like, her, especially her mom's favorite choice of adding an acid. She mentioned that in the salsa section is that, like, they put salsa on everything. She used to put yogurt on everything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So she talks about the first time she had an American Thanksgiving, I think when she was, like, in college and stuff, you know, just with friends. And as she had this plate in front of her, she realized, you know, there's no acidity there's no acid to break up all of the these richness yeah. yeah yeah like everything was just so intense and so rich and that's why she ended up putting like cranberry sauce on everything because that was yeah. literally the only source of acid on the table <laughs> and it's just like something that probably has not occurred to most of us in that meal like that's such a um, American Canadian, like it's such a meal that everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, you don't touch this," you know. This <laughs> yeah, is a yeah big do deal. not touch Thanksgiving, apparently. But like, it could probably use some work. Yeah, I it, think it could use some touch-ups. I don't even use the cranberry that much, but now I'm like, well, I've been doing it wrong. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think like she literally opened our eyes to a meal that we've had once a year growing up at least once a year because you have a similar meal at christmas too but like i literally was like oh my god she's she's right oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) yeah like what are we doing it seems so obvious now how did we not yeah no thank you samin so then we kind of go into another scene where she is at another market with regina who's also a chef Mm-hmm. And they're picking all these ingredients for the next dish that they're going to make in the episode. And, you know, even they're talking about the mix of tomatoes that you can get. And depending mm-hmm. on, like, what kind of flavors or what's in season, all of that. Like, do we have, we don't have that many varieties of tomatoes either. 
No. I also really appreciate when they were talking about tomatoes. Regina was saying, like, she's like, these tomatoes are more flavorful, but these tomatoes are in season, so we're getting them anyways because they're in season. Why would we not? So, like, I love that flexibility. I feel like we, like, a lot of people still have that fear around cooking and they're like, no, 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 the recipe told me to get this. I need to get this. But she's like, these are in season. Like, why would we not get some of these? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And then even the special cocoa powder that they pick up, too. Mm hmm. So interesting. I want to know so much about like what that tastes like too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go back to Regina's place or wherever they're cooking. Yep. And I, it was such an interesting little moment with them because, you know, Regina grew up here in Yucatan, but she also went to France to train as a chef. And mm-hmm. just like the difference between the cooking techniques that she experienced. Well, yeah, she was talking about how the French are very specific, especially in their cutting and the shapes and all that kind of stuff where like she would cut something and then the chef would get mad because it weren't all even and they weren't all this. Meanwhile, she would come home and like it really does. It doesn't matter. Like you just cut something up really quickly. You throw it in. It's not going to like it won't affect the flavor of the dish, at least where she's from. Right. And she like it just. You see the difference between both widely regarded as delicious food, French food and Mexican food, but like the just the different things they emphasize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked hearing that contrast, too, because there's like there's merits to both of them in so many different ways. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to see someone like talk about that contrast that they've experienced. Yeah. Uh, so they're again preparing another dish. Uh, this time it's fish. So not vegan friendly. But again, we see them, you know charring the vegetables for the intensity of the flavor before they add it in with everything else marinating the fish and wrapping it in the banana leaves like all of these Mm -hmm. processes and techniques that are so interesting to see them put together um and then i don't know if it's directly after this but they start talking about oranges Mm -hmm. and orange is an orange and the myth that is that statement oh yes and you i remember because you watched this episode ahead of time you mentioned that you learned this Yeah, is that so an orange tomorrow will taste different than the orange you have today because the orange tomorrow had longer to sit on the tree or longer to ripen or whatever. So it has more sugars in it versus the orange you have today. So she and she brings this up for one very particular reason. And I think this is a constant throughout the whole series of the show is that go by taste rather than recipe so a recipe that tells you you need one orange everyone's going to get a different result if you just grab an orange and put it in and then you're done because like she says like an orange that's grown on the other side of a tree will taste different than an orange grown on the other side of the tree because of just the sunlight it got how it grew all that kind of stuff or an orange that had an extra day to ripen will taste different than an orange you used yesterday so right. going by taste and really tasting the dish, like it blows your mind about like it, you, you really understand how like in a way flawed recipes can be and you understand why people sometimes don't have the same results because literally like you, you can understand that in baking because baking is such a science. But then when you think about that in cooking and like it makes sense when someone tells you, but you never ever think about it. Yeah. And I also feel like at least the cooking that we've grown up especially the non-vegan cooking that kind of attention to the varieties and the specifics of an ingredient like especially something like meat people Mm -hmm. always pay attention to like oh this one could be drastically different than this one because of all of these reasons but never would you think that 
like something like your produce, like an orange, yeah, could also face, you know, those details that you need to pay attention to and consider. And she kind of actually talks about that in the next episode as well, which we'll talk about where like it's just the attention to vegetables yep. and the attention you bring to like those side dishes that in America and Canada would be considered side dishes um, and how much love you can bring to those just by simply like treating your vegetables the way you would treat meat with the care and understanding that like you like everyone, like you said, everyone has this understanding of meat and the different cuts of meat and the marbling, which we'll also talk about in a future episode. But like, you don't think about that when it comes to vegetables and fruit. Yeah. Yeah. And like, again, taste as you go, especially with things like citrus, because I think that's why at the beginning I was like, they feel so abstract because <laughs> you just kind of use them blindly with the recipe if you are using yeah. them, right? Yeah, I, I think, again, we have a whole other episode still to get through I know. this episode. <laughs> but, like, I think if you take away anything from fat or from, what's it called? Salt, fat, acid, heat. It's just to taste your food. <laughs> yeah. That's literally it. Just taste your food. Understand that each ingredient is going to be different. Um, and, again, she gets into this into the next episode, too. But we'll continue with this one <laughs> yeah because there's one more thing like this orange conversation happens as they're making a pavlova for dessert Which, like the most beautiful dessert i've ever seen <laughs> oh my goodness like those meringues are a work of art yeah it also like it was just so effortlessly put together and i was like this is art i don't understand yeah you've got like these white puffy meringues that like soft on the inside crispy on the outside and then they're cutting up some oranges and grapefruits and citrus and like kind of layering it all in and then mm -hmm. they add like the mint leaves or another pop of color some chocolate and then she drizzles some honey over top for the last like a very citrusy honey for the yeah. last finishing touch oh and i don't even know i don't i've never had pavlova like i don't even know oh you've never had pavlova. no it's very like marshmallowy with like a crispy outside it looks so beautiful <laughs> I want so it. So beautiful. <laughs> I've tried to make a vegan pavlova before and it did not go well. So I will still work on that and see how it goes. I believe in you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one other thing, like, and we go into like the final scene where it's the meal. Everyone's trying everything kind of that everyone made. Um, and one thing that always stands out for these scenes is just how different it is between cultures. Like family meals it seems like such an important thing there. And, like, again, I know they're doing a show and they're, like, they have to set it up in certain ways and things like that. So maybe it's not like that all the time. But, like, it's just, it's so nice to see people just sit down at a table and eat. Yeah, honestly, it's such a nice moment. And we get it pretty much at the end of every episode, right? They have, yeah. she has this meal with people from throughout the episode. And it just always looks like such a good time. And she just always seems to bring so, like, she's just so friendly. It seems to get along with everybody. I just love it. I want to I wanna have a dinner party with Samin. Right? All right. So we definitely need to move on to heat. Yeah, yeah. We are, uh, <laughs> we've talked for 40 minutes and I have so many notes about heat too. I know, right? Uh, it's too too exciting, too good of a series. Yeah, and I will say I feel like these two episodes are two of the more exciting ones just because heat really like solidifies everything you learned in the first three and then acid was just so new to us. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like I've seen heat before, like I've seen the whole series before, but I didn't really remember how it went and I, I think because I forgot, I assumed... Oh, it's probably like so meat heavy. 
because yeah. that's what you would associate heat which like it being, is right it, it can't it is meat heavy at points yeah yeah and she talks a lot about meat in this episode too but yeah so you know she introduces heat as this element of transformation and which once you understand so cool. right so cool <laughs> no it's hot Catherine. it's not cool <laughs> it's so hot it's so hot right now <laughs> And once you understand how heat works, you can be confident that whatever you cook will taste good. Yeah, which like seems simple enough. Super <laughs> simple, easy, no problems. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and so, for like a kind of change of pace, we are in, like in Samin's home. Yeah, we're learning about Samin this episode. Yeah, and kind of like. Her cooking journey a little bit, but also just, like, the things she does in her everyday mm -hmm. life and, like, when she's cooking for people. Yeah. Uh, so she goes back to Chez Penny, which yeah. is the restaurant where she kind of, like, cooking started for her. Yeah, got her start. Yeah. With with Chef Amy Denkler? I think she said Densler. Densler. That's yeah. it. Yes. And one of the really, really cool things about Chez Panis is that they cook over an open fire. Yeah. And like learning how to cook with a fire, like an element like that, because for our cooking, most of the cooking that we've probably grown up with and done, we feel like it's so controlled or, mm -hmm. or we want it to be controlled. Which like she also gets into that later in the episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when you see them grilling over this open fire you have to learn about how you work with a heat that you aren't precisely controlling with a knob yeah it basically in a way forces you to cook using your senses instead of using a timer exactly she's like look at the food and watch the food feel it right yeah i mean they're cooking steaks in this scene disclaimer yes. so yeah <laughs> disclaimer <laughs> but it's like looking at the way it's cooking and moving it around to get an even heat even things like you don't want those perfect cross the marks. cross sections for um grilling yeah like you see like, it she talks about how you see in a commercial and they always want those like perfect 90 degree grill marks yeah that's a waste you want the grill all over yeah she was talking about she's like i always feel so sad for them or something yeah. like that <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then also one of the things that I took away that was so cool is just how they controlled the heat. And like um, Chef Amy uh, would do like would make heat zones in her. So she would put this like grill over top of the fire ish area and like control it. So she would bring broken down coals to the front to do kind of like a very chill, like not chill, but like <laughs> like a more... Um, toned down heat and a more gentle cook and then towards the back is where you had the actual like more flame area so it was hotter towards the back and cooler towards the front so that you could like move things around and be able like if they just needed a more of a gentle cook you could put it towards the front it was very cool how she just like took charge of how her meat was cooked <laughs> mm -hmm. and i mean we're not going to be cooking a steak but it's still the principles that you can take away and use to cook anything yeah. So, yeah, they basically cook, like, a very fancy steak and potatoes dish. Yeah, which, like, even the plating, though, like, I will say, was just kind of, like, basic. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that I really take away from this series as well, is that, like, it's not like a chef's table where you see this, like, beautiful, like, it looks like a garden, whatever 
piece of art the art is just the cooking itself in the flavor you get it's not necessarily the plating and I feel like that's just so much more approachable to people Mm -hmm. and then like speaking of approachable we move into the next scene and Samin is grocery shopping and she talks about the importance of picking good ingredients and I just like how she's at one point she's walking down the produce aisle in front of like the beans takes the beans just bites it Mm, yeah okay I'm gonna get some of these yeah (laughs) yeah and like she talks about how you don't necessarily need expensive like amazing ingredients but you need some simple high quality staples exactly that's what you do need in order to make good food and everything else you can kind of just like figure out as you go basically (laughs) yeah yeah so when she's cooking at home she talks about the things that she always tries to get and she says you know this whole struggle of or this whole the thing you're trying to master when you're cooking or when you're using heat is getting the surface and the inside done at the same time yeah so to illustrate that she takes us through three recipes throughout this episode and she said she always chooses like one element that you kind of build your menu around, which I think is probably a concept we understand. Yep. And for this, she does use a chicken. She makes mm-hmm. a roast. Yeah. So vegan disclaimer. Yeah. Again. So the first thing she makes is the chicken, but then she's also going to make a grilled veggie salad, which we're totally mm-hmm. here for. And then she finishes with a Persian crispy rice that she makes with her mom. Yes. Everything in this episode looks so good. I will say that. Oh my goodness. Right. But yeah, and one thing I will say just from the grocery shopping scene that really stood out for me, and mind you, they were talking about meat at the time, but I I thought it was a good tidbit anybody could take out is basically shop with your eyes. If something doesn't look good, it probably won't taste good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think, well, I think sometimes I'm just an optimist. I'm like, I'm sure it'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And maybe it's fine, but it could be better. (laughs) So she goes into making her uh, roast chicken dish and it's just like a pretty simple dish. It's a buttermilk marinated roast chicken, basically. And one of the things that I took out of that that I thought was really cool is that buttermilk and is probably is very particular to chicken, but buttermilk expands the margin of error. Mm-hmm. So like she soaks it in, um, soaks the chicken in buttermilk beforehand, which helps give you more like it's not as strict when you need to take the chicken out of the oven like you know it doesn't dry out as quickly and and like that stuff's important if you eat chicken so like I feel like it's really cool that like add this one simple ingredient that you can add can help make it easier to cook a different ingredient Mm -hmm, definitely and I think she kind of uses the chicken cooking process to teach us about how little we should trust our ovens Yes, which, guys, I've been trying to tell you. That's so true. <laughs> which, I will say, I didn't know quite to the extent of what Samin knows, but I've always known we should not trust our ovens. <laughs> <laughs> I've been giving that thing the side eye for years. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, she kind of lays out the back of the oven will always be hotter than the front of the oven because every time you open it, you know, that yeah. front towards the front that air gets escaped and then things like even once you set the oven and you're like oh it's beeped it's hit the time it's gonna continue climbing or varying as you're cooking 
She explains it like she kind of relates it to the way a thermostat would in your house. Basically, once it gets to that beep, it's not that it's at that temperature. It sometimes climbs way over that temperature so that when it turns off, it can drop back down to what the temperature is you want. And then once it drops under, it turns back on and reheats again. <laughs> so like it's this whole process. So you're, the heat is always changing. Which, again, she reminds us that's why you got to cook with your eyes. And, like, with some things, it can be more difficult, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. why if you're cooking meat, a meat thermometer, things like that can help with this. It's difficult to tell. But, again, like, use your eyes because your oven could be all over the place. And maybe get a a thermometer in your oven, too. (laughs) Yeah. And this is, like, the best thing about being vegan is that we don't have to worry about uh, undercooking or drying out some piece of meat exactly (laughs) um but yeah so she basically just emphasizes using your senses um she also talks about specifically with the chicken she always cooks it with the legs to the back because they'll always take longer so that ensures that the back of the chicken always cooks at the same time as the front of the chicken or whatever it is um yeah so it's it's really it's interesting to see even though it is surrounded by a piece of meat and like this whole thing it's very interesting you take a lot of knowledge out of this that you can apply to vegetables or uh, tofu or tempeh or whatever yeah and like speaking of knowledge for vegetables like the next scene she's shopping for some produce and she's dropping some really good yeah advice vegan disclaimer you'll love this scene disclaimer (laughs) veggies are getting their moment to shine (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah Uh, So she talks about, like, when she does go grocery shopping, she kind of, like, with these staple things, she'll have these flavor roads that she can possibly explore. So things like always getting some fresh citrus, which, again, we learned, very important. Very important. And that, you know, when you're trying to check if a lemon is a good one, just press it a little to see if it's it's got a little give and it feels a little soft. That's how you know there's juice. Yep. And then picking the herbs. Yeah. She says the best dollar you can spend, which I don't think they're a dollar in Canada, but it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the best dollar you could spend is just buying a bunch of herbs. And she gives a helpful tip that I think we've talked about in the past too, is just snipping off, treating your herbs like flowers, snipping off the bottoms of the stems, sticking them in some water and putting them in the fridge and they should last a little longer. Yeah, just think of them as your fridge flowers. <laughs> that taste better. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> and smell better. Yeah. Should I just keep herbs on my as my centerpiece to my table instead? Yeah, but just a bouquet of herbs. What if they have to be in the fridge though? Well, I'll put them in the fridge like later and I'll oh. take them out when I need them when I need to like set the table for people. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, but she basically talks about how You know, when you're learning to cook vegetables, it also helps to learn how to cook those all-season vegetables. Yes. So the ones that are all, you know, like carrots, potatoes, like mastering those ones can help. And then you build in the seasonal ones on top of that. And even things like when you're picking a broccoli or a cauliflower, look at the base of the stem Mm -hmm. to see how fresh it is. If it's starting to get kind of like yellow or brown, you know, it's kind of been sitting for a while. So it might not be as fresh as another one. Yeah, she gives a lots of good vegetable tips in this episode. Yeah, which I was like, wow, I got to pay more attention. I got to shop with my <laughs> eyes open more often. Yeah, and I think it's probably during this part because I have my notes in order. But there was something that stood out where she said, you can make anything taste good if you know how to work with the staples. Exactly. Yeah. 
Tamin has blessed you. If you know how to work with the staples, you can cook no matter who you are. (laughs) (laughs) And then it kind of goes into, she talks about intense versus gentle heat, which I find, she talks about kind of the types of heat Mm -hmm. um, and talks about how intense heat is like frying. Yes, frying. It gives you that really like golden, crispy exterior, something like that, versus a gentle heat, which takes time, uses time and like a low, slow cook to really cook through and infuse flavors. And that's something like... A simmer? Yeah, sure. A simmer. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know why I completely blanked on heat types, but (laughs) I thought that was very interesting to learn about that intense versus gentle heat and like what the purpose is and how the things work together to still cook. Yeah, yeah, me too. These little, like, interludes between the scenes are packed with so much helpful information. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we're back in Samin's kitchen. and Cooking veggies. She's joined by Wendy, who did all the illustrations for her cookbook. Yeah, which, like, I love them two together. Yeah, I like how Wendy's like, you changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, I didn't cook anything before. <laughs> yeah, and Samin's like, I remember going to your house and I opened the cupboard and it's just like protein bars. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she gets into cooking vegetables um, and talks about um, kind of like, again, things that I don't think most people would think about, but she thinks about all these small details, like not overcrowding your pan that you put them on, because if you overcrowd them, then that's where steam steam doesn't have a place to escape. So then you end up just steaming your vegetables and not getting them nice and golden and crispy. Um, she also talks about having your their each vegetable should have their own pan because they all have different cook times. So you can take them out i am such i'm horrible at doing that same i i just hate extra dishes i know but but at least like i try and like if i'm doing that i try and at least cut them into shapes that i know would cook roughly at the same time Mm. so like if something cooks quicker cut them into bigger pieces than say something that would take longer to cook Mm -hmm. um but like if you can and if you don't mind the extra dishes separating the veggies onto different um baking dishes or at least doing it half and half so you can remove one thing and it's not like a mixture of vegetables that you can't remove when one thing gets cooked and the other thing still needs more time and then another thing that I really took away from her like tips on baking pans is that everything should be in contact with the pan yeah there's like two different ways of cooking there's like the hot air cooking on the top and then there's the intense heat that's in contact with the pan and everything, each piece of vegetable that you put on there should be touching the pan. Yeah, and I feel like all of these tips together really highlight the fact that we tend to try to rush and be as efficient with our vegetables because that's <laughs> yeah. kind of like what's been ingrained into Is the They're just a style. side dish. Yeah, exactly. But if you put the amount of like time and attention and detail into the veggies that you would the protein which we know Mm -hmm. people are very particular about how they cook all the proteins right then you will get the results that are like bring veggies to their full potential and can Mm -hmm. not just be an afterthought and even things like that also illustrate that even if you're boiling something she boils it softly in a simmer so that it cooks evenly instead of like flashing them into a boiling pan and just like quick 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 yeah And I will say she cooks dried beans in this episode. And like, I'm always one to say that I hate cooking dried beans, but it made me want to try cooking dried beans. Yeah. Honestly, I I think I have a note later down that this is actually a salad I would want to (laughs) eat. Yeah. There's no lettuce. Um, 
But yeah, one of the things that stood out too at this point where she says vegetables are true decadence. Like she's like, you know, people usually think of meat and like a nice chunk of steak or something as this decadent thing. She's like, but a a plate of vegetables that you took the time to cook separately and do all these little things to, that's true decadence. And I was like, yeah, thank you, Samin. <laughs> yeah, which is honestly something that I've heard in the whole like food veggie discourse a lot lately. <laughs> Where people are being yeah. like, you can't take my meat away. It's too important to my meal. And everyone's like, if you knew how to cook your veggies better, you might yeah. not be that upset about less meat on your plate. Yeah. Like she talks about somebody who takes the time to make like six different kinds of vegetables and cook beans, soak them overnight and then cook them and all this stuff like that. That is true decadence. That is true like art and all that kind of stuff that goes into a meal. Like it shouldn't be just downgraded as just the side dish like... Yeah, yeah. And even with like in this moment when she's cooking the beans, I don't know if you got this, but when she takes the pot of beans off the oven element and she brings it over to the counter, she sets it on the lid of the pot. Like it's It's meant to sit on top of that. Yeah, it's a it's a particular pan. I don't know how to properly pronounce the name, but it's like Donsk or Dansk or something. D-A-N-S-K. I've wanted one of these pans forever. That blew my mind. I was like, that's adorable and perfect and I want it. Yeah, I have wanted one of these pots for a long time. (laughs) It is on my list. I'm finally catching up to you. Like, I get it now. (laughs) Yeah, they were actually just purchased by Food 52. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I love, 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 love that pan so much. <laughs> the scene ends with her building the salad all together. Like she's got the beans cooked. She's got the veggies roasted. And putting the biggest mound of herbs I've ever seen on top of the salad. <laughs> right, right. So she like adds all of those layers and then she also sprinkles on some feta cheese and then all of the fresh herbs on top. And a yeah, dressing. Like, she's got like a dressing yeah. she puts uh, together. The very simple dressing. It was like vinegar oil and shallots right or something yeah yeah so simple um but i think all those layers together i like this is a salad i want to recreate definitely some vegan feta we're good to go yes oh my goodness (laughs) it looks so good and like honestly it looked like a meal yeah it did (laughs) like salad is like i feel like we have a very skewed view of what salad is but like it was a full-on meal. <laughs> I mean, you know it's a good salad when the person you're serving it to fully turns to you and says, I love you, Samin. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what Wendy says when she tries it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then we have kind of like our final grocery store scene. Yep. And it's talking all about salt. My goodness. My favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole different episode, but we've come back to the salt conversation. Because yeah. actually, there's a lot of things we don't realize about the salt in those grocery aisles. Mm-hmm. Like, this is another thing, like, even similar to the where we we're talking about oranges, where an orange today is not the same as an orange tomorrow. Um, every salt is different, including, like, if you buy kosher salt from one brand to another, completely different. Oh, my goodness. That I was just like, oh, I can't trust my salt either. I, <laughs> you taste everything. Use your eyes. Like, she was talking about the two big brands in the U.S. that do kosher salt. I can't remember. It's like Morton and something else. I can't remember what the other one was. But she talks about how one teaspoon of Morton's kosher salt is as salty as two teaspoons of the other one. So like her, the whole thing about this is that like she talks about how there's like 
hundreds of different salts you could buy which i'm saying which first of all i want her grocery store because i see like three salts at my grocery store right <laughs> like her grocery whatever the one she goes to is incredible yeah it's huge um but like she talks about how there's hundreds of different salts you can choose but the most important thing to know is just to know your salt and how salty it is and how much to use so that when somebody in a recipe says add a teaspoon of salt you might have to change that based on the salt that you use yeah exactly and then she talks about like the different kinds of salt she'll use so if she's getting like a kosher salt she gets this brand because it's more like a flat shape than a Mm -hmm. round shape so it'll stick to whatever she might be sprinkling it on better like all of those little considerations with your salt (laughs) i'm just like picturing us like getting salt and just trying to like look at the shape of it (laughs) i'm gonna go after this i'm gonna go down to my kitchen and just like inspect the salt yeah um yeah and then she talks about finishing salt she always uses um the one that everyone uses malden yeah yeah it's it's an expensive salt it is very much a finishing salt i have the smoked version of it and i wish i had bought the regular version of it i bought the smoked one because i was like oh smoked salt that's amazing but then also like i'm not putting smoked salt on cookies so Mm, that's true that's true (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no um so she talks about those are the two main salts that she always basically has in her um kitchen so like you don't necessarily need to have a million different salts you just need to understand the one or two salts that you do have yeah and the different purposes yeah yeah um and then we go into cooking with Tadek. yeah cooking with her mom and i love this like in between scene where she's talking about her idea of dinner parties and like what they should be like and she's sitting there wrapping some cutlery in a napkin yeah and you just see someone walk like kind of in the background <laughs> in the back hallway basically yeah and i guess samin noticed somebody else's reaction to that and she, they're off camera they're like your mom just walked behind you and i'm just laughing <laughs> it's like the best interlude into the next yeah scene. <laughs> it's great it really sets up their relationship i feel yeah. like well <laughs> yeah which i will say her mom is so little. I know. She's so cute. <laughs> but like this, so this Tadig rice dish that they're making, it it's kind of, it seems like it's always been a point of contention, especially like because it is such a important dish for, for Persian cooking, like getting it right is important, mm-hmm. right? And Samin kind of hints that she's like never quite gotten it right. So she's finally going to see how her mom cooks it and pay attention to all these steps so that she can learn how to cook it the way her mom does which like i will say like it seems like such a simple dish on the outside like if you just saw the finished meal you're like yeah just crispy rice but oh my goodness the like first of all the like effort that goes into the dish and then also the hacks oh my god yeah So many techniques. So many techniques that I would never have thought of. Yeah, and even Simeon's like, what's that part? Can I need to watch this again? How do you do that part? Yeah. And the reason Simeon also chose this dish to make is because it's a good example of using two kinds of heat to make mm-hmm. a dish. So they will boil the rice and then they fry the rice. And so you yeah. see how those two elements of heat do different things and what you get at the end yes um so another note that again i think i've known to do i've just the canadian in me is very lazy um is soaking the rice before you cook it because soaking the rice helps it cook more evenly 
What? It like it, it's like soaking beans before you cook beans, right? It like it absorbs some of the water that it's soaked into, so it kind of starts the cooking process already, but then it allows it to cook more evenly when you actually go to put it into like a boiling pot of water or a simmering pot of water. Yeah, it's like again throughout the series, it's all these things like if you put a little bit more attention or time into these ingredients, so many of these ingredients, you might get a better result. I will say it's that like mindfulness of like we are very much we have said it before we're very much people who like quick and easy things but it's the mindfulness of thinking that hey you know what if I know what I'm making tomorrow and I just take the extra step to soak rice the night before this dish might be 10 times better (laughs) yeah so maybe like it's those little things like again you don't have to do everything Samin does because People sometimes just don't have the time. Exactly. You know, yeah. like that is a valid excuse to not do everything Samin does. But I think the little things that you can do will be helpful. Yeah. Like I think in your day to day, it's hard to always be this um, attentive. But I think it, it's fun to kind of have those even like one moment, one meal throughout the week where you're like, this is the meal where I'm just going to take my time. I'm going to enjoy this process. I'm going to put the attention into it i will say that is the takeaway that i took from this whole series was that after all of this covid pandemic stuff is done i want to do weekly or bi-weekly like friend group meals oh my god me too because we can get into it a little bit more once we get to that part but like just the whole aspect of like a family meal i feel like is just missing from a lot of Canadian American culture right now because we're just in that mindset of work busy all the time do all this stuff that like I just I want to just infuse it into my life (laughs) I support that I'll be there (laughs) (laughs) um but back to Todd yes yes um so I mean Samin seems to be like surprised throughout the entire process which is just like so fun to watch even like the amount of salt that her mom puts in the water to cook the rice and I will say, to the water part, I've never seen rice cooked in extra water. Like, I've only ever put enough water to cook the rice. I've never seen it cooked like pasta, where you put it in a big pot of water and then you drain the rice afterwards. And you know it's done because you check it, right? Like, with yeah. rice, it's usually like, oh, the water's done, gone. Yeah, you literally just cook it like you would pasta. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah, so she, like puts so much salt in it that she said it should taste like kind of like a salty water like sea salt water yeah yeah and then to test when it's done they take out like the grains of rice and they'll kind of like smear it in their fingers yeah and it shouldn't be mushy but you can and you should still kind of feel the grain yeah it should it should somewhat like squish like the ends of it should like squish out like be kind of mushy but you should still feel the grain it shouldn't be completely mush Mm -hmm. which like good like again cooking with your senses yes so true (laughs) (laughs) um so one of the things uh so she ends so she cooks it she the next step is to put it into the pot to like get it crispy so they put a lot of oil at the bottom all that kind of stuff what you would think to do to make crispy rice one of the like really cool hacks is wrapping the lid in in a towel yeah like, so basically the idea here is they don't want to steam the rice. They want the rice to get crispy. So they don't want any extra moisture in there. So um, Samin's mom wraps the lid of the pot that she's cooking her rice in, in like a kitchen towel, and then puts it back on top of the pot so that when steam rises, it gets caught in between the lid and the um, 
the kitchen towel and doesn't go back down to the rice and like steam the rice I'm like that is so cool right it's so genius you just figured out how to you still obviously need the lid you need to lock in the heat and what's going on in there but you also need to get the steam somewhere to go that isn't back yeah. down I feel like if I saw somebody doing that without context, I'd be like, what the heck are you doing? Yeah, what is this? Stop it. (laughs) Yeah, what is this accomplishing? You wouldn't know. But it's such a cool, like, little, like, again, another extra thing that you could do that takes, like, really no time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And even, like, Samin's like, let me watch that again because I've never, I still haven't figured out how you do this towel wrap thing. Yeah. And then as they're cooking it, too, it's supposed to be, like, a mild sizzle. It means, like, I've been doing that wrong my whole life. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um and then she also does this one thing so like so do, they'll do a saff there's saffron in this dish as well and it's only a little bit of the rice so first of all they make the saffron they take some saffron and add some water to it to make kind of like this like saffron liquid juice type thing mm-hmm. which also saffron one of the things that i love too is like saffron's the most expensive spice in the world um samine jokes that like her friends look in her pantry and they're like you know that's like three thousand dollars worth of saffron but one of the things that i love about samine is that she's like you know i use a lot because that's how you show you care is you use a lot of these like more like expensive high quality types of things and i was like that's so nice i don't think i'd ever do that for my friends (laughs) but i think it also goes back too to like yes it's a special ingredient but use it like same with the oil a few episodes ago right don't let it go bad yeah 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 um but yeah so she makes this like saffron thing they take some of the rice out of the pot and add it to the like saffron mixture they made so that it gets nice and like red like Mm -hmm. this bright vibrant reddish orange color and then they take that bowl and put it back in the pot yeah, like the whole bowl, the, well, it's a small bowl, but they put the entire bowl into the pot. And Sabine's reaction is like, wait, what are, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, because the rice still needs to cook, but she doesn't want it to mix in with the other rice yet. So she puts the whole bowl just in the pot of rice. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so many techniques. And then even like coating the sides of the pan in the butter to help make yes. sure it doesn't get stuck. And it also adds to the crispiness. Mm-hmm. And then as that rice is continuing to cook and to get crispy, they also melt some butter. Yep. That is going to be poured over. Like you would think maybe you add it the whole time. Like you could have added it as the oil on the bottom, but you don't want to yeah. do that. You want to add it towards the end because at the beginning it would just burn. Yeah. So like she, again, yeah, that's something I skipped. She talks about at the which oil to use and use a really high heat oil. So she uses something like canola mm-hmm. oil so that it doesn't burn because you're cooking it for a really long time. You want to get make sure it gets crispy and you don't want it to get burnt crispy. So that's why she adds the butter towards the end because butter burns really quickly but she still wanted that butter flavor like yeah that makes so much more sense i gotta start doing that (laughs) yeah um but yeah it was just like it was it's just so cool because it's such a arguably simple dish but like so many little things went into it to make it as good as it is at least i imagine as good as it is it looked delicious i mean they were so excited like when they ate it and you just saw like yes yeah so good but i will say the flipping of that would stress me out being in such a deep pot yeah like she does the whole put the plate over the top top of the pan or pot flip it over and the thing like it's 
like two inches, three inches in height, do you think? Yeah. And so it falls all the way from the bottom of the pot onto the plate. So a little bit of it, the edge did break off on scenes. Yeah. And she's like, oh, mine's not perfect. And her mom's like, ah, it's fine. Just just fix it. And then we'll eat these yeah. pieces that fell off. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was such a cool thing to see because like, it's like, it's those types of tips that you would never necessarily get from a professional chef and requires somebody who like grew up making this and like that like mom or grandma style person. <laughs> exactly. There is so much history and so many stories behind everything that goes into that technique and that dish. Yeah. Okay. So then we move on to the final scene of the whole series. Yeah. And this is again, like every other episode, it ends with a dinner, a group dinner. And Samin kind of talks about her philosophy behind having dinner parties and inviting your guests to not just uh, eat the food and just like enjoy the finished product, but to be part of the process. Yeah, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, something about like you being a part of the process makes you enjoy the meal even more. And you like take something out of it other than just, oh, this tastes good. Yeah, yeah. Like they understand how it came together. So things like somebody tossing the salad with their hands so they actually feel and learn what a properly coated piece of lettuce might feel like yeah. or tasting a sauce as it goes to see how like you add in the different things and how it progresses yeah. and how it gets to that end point yeah one of my favorite things is that one of her guests brought an apron yeah because <laughs> she knew <laughs> yeah this means like people know when they come to my house that they got we're gonna cook they're gonna work yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah i love that idea and it's one of those things that i was like i want to do that with my friends like i want to be able to instead of like like in a way it's like it's not a potluck but it's kind of got the same qualities of one because like it's something like everyone was involved in the meal but like it's still a meal made by a professional chef <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So like she doesn't have them do like too many, not all, not the whole meal and not too many like complicated things, Yeah. but just enough that they can come away with some something they learned and feel a little yeah. bit more comfortable. Yeah. And because she's always said that, you know, cooking has never been about the food. It's what happens at the table. And I think what happens with people around that whole experience and she wants to mm -hmm. make good food more accessible. So helping people in these like little moments before a dinner party can make people feel like good cooking is in with within reach for everyone. Yeah, that they can do it. Yeah. yeah, and just help everyone feel more comfortable with the experience instead of like intimidated and scared to try it. Like I think that also speaks to just her personality too. Mm -hmm. She like she will put herself out there and try things and not afraid to fail. But when she's helping someone learn, you know, she's just like welcoming and gentle about it and just wants to yeah share the joy that i will say that kind of leads into like one of my favorite things she said throughout this whole series which is i think one of the last things she says in the series is that like you know and if it doesn't work you can always try again tomorrow exactly and I, I love that mindset like we always talk like you're gonna live 80 90 years potentially you have many days to master a recipe like it doesn't have to happen the first time yeah, she said, be thoughtful, be curious. Anyone can learn to cook well. Yeah, it's such a good series. Oh, it really is. It's so good. Like, again, it it's like we've said before, disclaimer, it can be pretty meat heavy at times and hard to watch if you're a vegan. But if you don't mind that kind of stuff, I would highly recommend watching this show because it is, 
you learn so much and you're entertained the entire time too. Yeah, yeah. And even if you have to skip through like some of the more meat intense moments, there's still... In the fat episode yeah, specifically. Yeah, there's still so many other good moments and really, really helpful takeaways for anybody. Yeah. And like we said at the beginning too, watching a show like this, if you feel like you're kind of in a rut or not feeling that good about food or cooking right now, it can kind of help reignite those feelings and just kind of get you more excited about it mm-hmm. oh. it made me more excited about it me too oh, i love <laughs> it so much yeah <laughs> it made me really want to and again she doesn't really necessarily talk about this in the show but it made me really want to go to just like a farmer's market pick out some sort of vegetable that i've never cooked with before or i don't cook with a lot and just have that as the centerpiece and be like i'm gonna find a dish that makes this vegetable or fruit or whatever shine what is that oh such a and just fun kind of challenge like i feel like those would be such fun videos just be like today i'm working with this thing and i'm gonna try and figure out a dish that works well with it oh my goodness this is like two of the things that i cannot wait for one to like go grocery shopping like with you again especially and to be able to like cook and enjoy food with other people <laughs> yes no yeah i am I am very excited to be able to do like dinner parties and just like brainstorm with people and like again just do recipes with you again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's one day. Yes we'll get there. All right we hope you enjoyed this episode and both of these episodes. It's a very long episode. It is but we are very passionate about this show and Samin's cooking. Yeah. It just really speaks to us yeah and we're excited to do more episodes like this where we talk about food content that gets us well excited <laughs> so let us know if there's any that you really like that you'd like to hear us talk about or that we should check out that maybe we haven't seen mm -hmm. and if you want to check out any of our recipes they're at twomarketgirls.com or twomarketgirls on youtube and all of the socials and uh see you in the next episode let's yeah. go do some cooking <laughs> yes <laughs>